I think it was the uh, early 1990s or so when my wife, Regina, and I decided to take a trip in the desert southwest, uh, Arizona and, and New Mexico to be specific, and uh, even though it was April, it was hotter than you know what already by that time. And we were just outside of the city of Tucson, Arizona, when we took a mid-morning hike or wanted to take a mid-morning hike on this desert trail. But the hike didn't last too long because a few hundred feet outside of the parking lot, we encountered along the trail rattlesnake after rattlesnake after rattlesnake after rattlesnake. It was, it was the ones that were curled up and started rattling at me that got me the most uptight. But given that that adventure was off the table, I suggest that we take a small dirt road through a massive desert wilderness area to begin our journey back home to El Paso. And I didn't pay any attention to the map that said, this road not recommended for any vehicle, not even four-wheel drive vehicles. But we went anyway. And the road was bumpy, it was full of boulders we had to traverse, and some spots were so narrow that these prickly dead plants with bushes marked up the paint in the side of my truck. It was really a mess. But we were having fun. We were having fun and, until, uh, until, un, until one of our tires blew up. And the bad news was that we had not passed a car or a soul for three hours. Well, the good news was that we saw in the distance a beaten down ramshackle house down at the base of this valley. So we knew we had to walk down to it and we got out of the car and we walked and the closer we got the more nervous at least I became and we got close to the house I saw a sign on the side of the house that said honey for sale but there were two problems I didn't see any bee houses and where on earth would any customers come from so in the midst of wondering if anybody was home and what on earth was going on I said to Regina what 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 if what 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 if what if this is a southwestern version of the movie Deliverance? What, what, if, what if there are people here hiding out from the feds? What, what if they shoot us? What if, what if they eat us for dinner? Well, long story short, a couple lived in the house. They were classic stoners from the 1960s. And while they might have indeed been hiding out from law enforcement, they were very kind people. Pretty stoned, but very kind. And they hiked with us back to our truck, helped us carry the tire, repaired the tire, and got us on our way. They refused any form of payment, even cold beer I had in a cooler. They were amazing. Well, the next challenge was that we had to get back, back to El Paso the next morning because I was a psychologist at the time, and I had all these appointments. I had to get there early for work. And the fastest and most direct way was to travel what is known as the Columbus Highway, which is over 150 miles long, dirt in places, at least at the time, and traverses right along the Mexico, Mexican border. Now, I love Mexico. I've been to Mexico hundreds and hundreds of times, but the Columbus Highway was and is notorious. It is dangerous for really bad things happening. Heck, even Pancho Villa attacked Columbus way back when. So as we drove and the sun began to set, I said to Regina, well, what, 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 what if the tire busts again? What, what, what if banditos block the road? What, what if they kidnap you? What, what if they bury me down in my neck so coyotes can nibble at my brain? <laughs> what if they make us carry drugs? My imagination really got going. I hate to admit it, but even though I was a psychologist for years, and even though I've been in ministry for 24, 25 years, and trust God, 
And even though I know sometimes I get anxious for reasons unrelated to what's happening, sometimes I am one that asks that damn question, what if? Am I the only one? With few exceptions I'll get to later, asking what if is really a lousy, nerve-wracking, anxiety-producing, upset stomach-causing, useless way of going about living. Even Jesus told his followers to focus on what is happening right now, not what might happen next. Jesus said in essence one day, why worry now? Tomorrow you'll have enough to deal with. So just deal with today. Jesus said. And he probably shared this idea of focusing on the moment and not asking what if because he understood that at least some of us as human beings get ourselves tied up into knots when we wonder what if. Now a few very brief caveats before I continue. Obviously it's important to be prepared. Obviously it's important to take possibilities into account. Obviously it's important to explore options when things are happening. Obviously, it's important to look to the future and consider alternatives and risks. If all we did is live in the moment, we wouldn't write wills, we wouldn't get health insurance, we wouldn't save money for our children in retirement, we wouldn't work, worry about our health. But all of this is vastly different than asking what-if questions that come from worry and angst and not trusting God as much as we might. And one more caveat we are human beings, and when we're faced with something truly overwhelming, scary, challenging, and upending, or threatening, asking what-if questions can be normal, to be expected, and it's okay. And when we're in that place, we need to cut ourselves some slack for being human and to pay attention to how helpful it is to be asking what-if kinds of questions. Now I'll get back to asking what-if questions in a few moments, but first, some stories from Scripture. On the surface, these stories are not related or connected, but they do share some things in common. Just some snippets of stories. Long ago, there was a country called Aram, and one day the king of Aram sent his troops to capture the prophet Elijah, and the troops found Elijah, and they surrounded Elijah. And a person who was with Elijah became incredibly overwhelmed and afraid and believed everything was lost. He thought there was nothing that could be done and that the situation was hopeless. Then there was Job, who after suffering terrible losses one day said, Obliterate the day I was born. Blank out the night I was conceived. Erase it from the books. May the day of my birth be buried in deep darkness. And then remember Sarah and her husband Abraham. They had traveled a long way God had asked them to do and over time, a terrible famine happened, and they traveled all the way to Egypt to find food. And as they neared Egypt, Abraham said to his wife, Sarah, you are beautiful. You are breathtaking. When the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, you are so gorgeous. Let's kill her husband so we can have her. So when we get to Egypt, Sarah, just tell the folks you're my sister. I've always gotten a kick out of that story. And there's the story of Jesus' parents. One year, they traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover with other people of faith. One year they did this. Jesus was 12 years old. And after the celebrations had ended, they began to head home. And as they walked along, they assumed their young boy, Jesus, 
was with some relatives heading home with them. But after a day, they discovered Jesus was nowhere to be found. They searched for him anxiously for several days until they found him back in Jerusalem. These snippets, these stories, while dissimilar on the surface, all reflect something in common. While each of us have, had, have, and will continue to have boundless blessings in life, not one of us is spared from tough passages. Not one of us, even though such passages may look very different on the surface. Just as an aside, as I was thinking about all the tough passages that all human beings go through, it, it just has always struck me that why isn't it that this truth doesn't make all human beings humble, kind, gentle, and selfless. Why doesn't it make us gentle and kind with each other? But that's another sermon. Anyway, Scripture is so alive as the stories and so many more like them are about people that lived long ago, yet their stories, while different, are relevant to you and to me. Have not all of us experienced fear, sadness, Loss, dejection. Our reading today from Luke, in part, is a story about dejection. It is a story that is always told a few weeks after we celebrate Easter. It is about two people who put their hopes and dreams and aspirations into Jesus and to great things happening. And we don't know exactly what their relationship had been, but whatever it was, it's evident they felt as if all had been lost because as far as they knew, Jesus was crucified dead and buried. It was Easter morning, and these two companions were walking down a road away from Jerusalem toward a town called Emmaus. Scripture says they were downtrodden, they were sad, they were gloomy. And it's clear they were having a tough time, an emotional time, as they walked. And as they journey toward Emmaus, Jesus comes up and says, what's going on? And although it's Jesus, they do not recognize them. We're told God prevented them from recognizing them, but we don't really know why they didn't recognize Jesus. Maybe they were so down. Maybe Jesus was in such a transformed form that they didn't recognize the record recognize the resurrected Jesus but whatever the reason they didn't know him and I always found this kind of humorous is as they walk along they tell the stranger Jesus about Jesus and after the two companions stop talking Jesus teaches them about the scriptures and tells them all the ancient prophets had said and later when they get near Emmaus Jesus acts as if he's going to leave the two companions behind but they insist that Jesus stay with them. And Jesus agrees, and it's during the course of a meal, they suddenly recognize it is Jesus who is among them. And he once again vanishes. And even though it's late, the two quickly get up and head back to Jerusalem to share their encounter with the risen Lord, with the remaining apostles. And upon arriving, they tell the apostles what had happened. And as they do so, Jesus appeared among them and the story goes on well this morning's story from Luke's gospel is about many things with rich layers of meaning on the surface the story is simply about the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead 
and that he appeared to his followers and to two companions on the road to Emmaus. It, like other post-resurrection appearances to hundreds and hundreds of people, were recorded and written down so that we too might trust the events of Easter. The story of the walk to Emmaus, however, is also about the fact that God does things in surprising ways and how our expectations can affect our ability to see God acting in our lives. What we expect of God influences how we see God. If we're in a place in life in which our expectations are narrow, we may be blinded to the living power of God in our midst and in the situations in which we find ourselves. In today's gospel story, before the two companions recognized Jesus, they had mistakenly assumed he was a great man, but now dead. And because this was their expectation, they were blind, unable to see Jesus right in front of them. And because their view of him was limited, they were not open to seeing Jesus acting in surprising ways. But aside from a description of eyewitness testimony, Aside from the fact that the story illustrates how expectations influence what we can see, the story of the walk to Emmaus also has to do with something else. In largely adapted form, one person writes this. Emmaus was not just a place that existed long ago. Emmaus is a place here and now for each of us. Emmaus is the place in our own lives in which we go to escape. Emmaus is the bar, the movie. Wherever it is we go, when we throw up our hands and say, well, nothing's really going to make a difference in this situation anyway. Emmaus may be buying that new suit or new car or smoking more cigarettes or reading a second-rate novel. Emmaus is wherever we go or whatever we do when we want to forget the challenges of life that we're in the midst of. Emmaus is that space we go to when we feel like something or someone is just too damn much. Life can get that way sometimes, can't it? A situation, a happening, a relationship can be just too much. Too much to deal with. Too much to endure. Too much to overcome. Too much to have to respond to. And we probably each have or have had our own Emmaus journey. And maybe at some point in time we have all said, I'm so done with this. Today's gospel story sheds light on what happens whenever we're on our road to Emmaus. Whenever our hopes and expectations seem for naught. Whenever we're struggling with confusion or pondering questions that don't seem to have an answer. And what happens when we're in such a journey is that Jesus shows up. Just like he showed up on the road to Emmaus as the two dejected companions walked. Jesus shows up whenever we travel a similar road. And the good news is that when Jesus showed up on the road to Emmaus, his presence was not dependent upon the expectation of the two companions. His presence was not dependent upon what they were feeling his presence was not dependent upon what they were thinking or what they even believed. His presence did not depend on the nature of what was going on, the level of faith the two had, or even the choices they had made. And the same is true for you and for me. Jesus shows up no matter what, and his presence has nothing to do with where we are in life or what we're faced with. 
But finally, I believe the story invites us to think about something else. Remember in the story when Jesus vanishes at the dinner table, the two companions say to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us? At that moment, they got it. They believed it. They knew they had, the sto- they had to share the story of what had happened with others. Nothing would stop them at that point. They were sure that Jesus had been raised from the dead and was present in a brand new astonishing way. And Jesus' resurrection changed everything for them in life. It changed their lives. Each of us here today is on a journey. And more likely than not, our faith, our trust, and belief in the resurrection waxes and wanes. At certain times, we may feel very confident as been laid out in the gospel stories. At others, we may be at a point of thinking, I don't think so, it seems so far-fetched. And like waves that come in sets off a coast, for many of us, our faith is sometimes strong and at others, not so much. And for those of us who may be in a place of waning faith, of struggling with believing, of wondering, of having questions, or simply having a really tough time with something going on in life right now, I believe the story of the two on the road to Emmaus invites us to ask a question I spoke about when I began this morning. And that question is, what if? Now, when I shared this question, I shared how this question can get us tied up in knots. How it can make us more anxious, more worried, can be unhelpful when it comes to a variety of life circumstances like getting a flat tire or traveling across a desert road. But when it comes to our faith, when it comes to daily stuff, when it comes to dealing with really tough things in life, I think asking what if can be a question that leads us to a place that is immensely helpful, healing, empowering, uplifting, and transforming. What if Jesus really did rise from the dead? What if we can trust that story? What if it is really so? So for a moment, as I near wrapping up, I want you to think about your life right now. The good, the bad, and the really ugly and hard. Create a mental slideshow of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And below those images that you have, especially of the tough stuff, put up the caption that says, what if? So for example, if you're in a place of great fear today, ask yourself, what if? What if it's really so that Jesus rose from the dead? What might that have to say to me about fear itself? Think about what is stressing you out totally today. Ask yourself, what if? What if if God really can control and do something about what I'm enduring? Just like God did something about the cross 
Think about what's exhausting you or tiring you out. And ask yourself, what, what if? What if God really had so much power to raise Jesus from the dead? And what if that same power, God's power, is within me right now to help me overcome? Think about what has you feeling out of sorts. And ask yourself if God could turn the total mess of Good Friday into the good gift of Easter what might God do about what feels so overwhelming to me right now? As you think about a big transition you're in the midst of, what if it's really so? What might Jesus' resurrection have to say to me about the transition I am faced with? Think about an illness you're facing today in mind or body. As you think about your illness, what might God's power in restoring Jesus' body to life have to say to you about your illness and restoring you to health? And think about someone you missed today and ask, what if? What if there really is something amazing beyond this life? What might Jesus' resurrection have to say to me in my profound grief. The point, if it is so, Jesus' resurrection has a lot to say to us, not just about what happens after this life, but about what is happening to us right now in our daily lives. Billy Graham once said, the resurrection of Christ changed the midnight of bereavement into a sunrise of reunion. It changed the midnight of disappointment into the sunrise of joy. And it changed the midnight of fear into a sunrise of peace. And I too believe that Jesus' resurrection will change our grief into an eventual reunion, our disappointments into joy our fears into peace, our struggles into the ability to overcome, our illnesses into healings, and can give us the energy we need to overcome feeling worn out or just done with whatever it is. And see if we let it like it did for the two on the road to Emmaus, the resurrection can change everything. After all, the great news of the gospel is not if it is so, but rather, it is so. It is so. He is risen. And because Jesus Christ is risen, we too one day shall rise as he did. And that, my friends, makes all the difference in how we live this very, very, very short journey we call life itself. Amen.